It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by ANZ Home Loans for financial well-beings. And welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Breakfast, available on iHeartRadio every morning and also on Spotify and Apple and wherever you get your good podcast from. Hope your weekend is going well. It is a Sunday morning. It is the sixth day for November for 2022. If you've been transacting over the weekend, I hope that has all been going just to plan the way that you wanted to. Coming up this morning, we have the Sunday Rewind, where we look back over the last seven days of interviews, including talking to Emma Slape from Turner Real Estate and John Thompson from Owens Cassily about the latest property news coming out of Adelaide. And we also talked to Leo Patterson-Ross. He is the CEO from the Tenants' Union in New South Wales about this unsolicited typed and signed note put into a letterbox bragging about how much the property management company got for its rent, except it was the tenants who received the letter, the note, and not the investors. Uh, we'll also be talking to selling agent Helen Sankey from Connect Real Estate. She is in Gisborne in Victoria. It's a popular property location. And we'll also talk about the 2022 block houses that are going to auction. This could all end, of course, in tears. The premium house prices and what the block might actually get at auction time might be a bit of a shortfall for the contestants. Judging based on our interview, it sounds like that may very well happen. And of course, we're talking to Andrew Wheatley, the owner of Wheatley Finance, about why getting your mortgage deposit is so, so important. So that is all coming up in just a moment. If you are celebrating your birthday for today, November the 6th, you are sharing your birthday with Emma Stone. She is turning 33. Ethan Hawke is on the birthday calls. He's turning 52. And it was also on this day, 1999, Australians reject the referendum to become a republic. And and have a president as its head. That was shafted. We talk with leading property commentators with analysis, predictions, forecasts and what's trending every morning from 6.30. It's the Main Centre Forecast with PRD, selling smarter every day. All right, let's have a look at your weekend weather for this Sunday morning and in Sydney expecting a mostly fine and sunny day, a high of 24 degrees. In Melbourne, dry conditions, partly cloudy with 25. Also a mostly fine and sunny warm one in Brisbane with 27 degrees. In Perth, expecting a possible shower or a storm. And your top today of 28 degrees. It's your Real Estate Weekend Podcast in Review. It seems that every time that we're talking about Adelaide, we always have to mention the influx of those interstate movers heading into Adelaide. It just doesn't seem to be stopping. No, we've really seen a, a definite trend and COVID has been the catalyst for that. Over the last few years, we've actually had net migration um, increase in South Australia, which hasn't happened for many, many years. So the statistics are showing us that people are moving to Adelaide and more broadly South Australia for a great lifestyle change from the eastern states. 
Yes, it's all about lifestyle moving into Adelaide. So how many people wanting to move into your region are being frustrated at the moment with new building delays? Yeah, there's a couple of factors playing out in the market. Number one is we've got people moving from interstate. Number two is we have seen a lot of investors start to sell down their stock as well. Those that have held property for a while and they're starting to think that they're going to capitalise on their price increases have sold down stock. Plus, we've got people that benefited from the home builder grants that uh, started nearly, what, two years ago or so. And some of those are still waiting for completion of their property. So they're still in the rental market as well. So all of those factors are really adding pressure to an already very hot rental market. Yes, and looking at those yields and particularly purchase price, Adelaide seems to be one of those locations that isn't a basket case when it comes to rampant prices. Yes, the prices, as you say, they've been going up, but it's been at a more normalised way, if we can put it like that, compared to other capital cities. Is that a fair point to make? Yeah, look, I definitely think we're seeing a little bit steadier increases, but certainly the rental market is finding those increases hard to absorb as well. In many cases, um, in a family home, we've seen increases of $50 a week. So it is still hurting the rental market as well, and that's going to take a little while to stabilise. And what do you think is likely to happen between now with the run-up time to Christmas and then into the new year in Adelaide? Yeah, look, I think the last few uh, few months we have seen a decrease in buyers. Probably interest rates are spooking people a little bit, but it's not a marked decrease. We're still finding people active in the market. Good prices are still being achieved for sale properties. Likewise with rentals, if a property is simply too high for the market, it will sit there. So unlike Sydney and Melbourne, where we have seen people paying a lot, lot more for a property in Adelaide, the market still knows what the rate in it is and is looking for quality in what they're renting as well. What about these investors from Sydney, Melbourne and the likes of Brisbane who are buying townhouses off the plans at the moment to add to their portfolios? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so this is something that's trended up again since the pandemic. From an investment standpoint, again, the affordability has meant um, that we've seen investors that are buying townhouses off the plan, as you say, but also what we have seen is an upward trend in interstate migration here to Adelaide. And the trend has been that people have come back to Adelaide when they're closer to retirement. But throughout the pandemic, we've seen people migrate to Adelaide because of the affordability, the lifestyle, and perhaps the realisation of some of the frustrations that they hit during the pandemic um, and they've seen some of the advantages here in in Adelaide. So we are seeing more interstate buyers buying townhouses, whether it's for their portfolio, but we're also seeing them buying in the um, established residential space sight unseen, just using digital platforms and auctions uh, such as Gavel that we use. And how much of a factor is it, do you think, for investors not paying any stamp duty for their decision to buy into the market at the moment? I think it's certainly a factor. I mean, investors are obviously very smart and and they run their numbers and it's all part of the calculation, isn't it? Particularly with construction prices going up, to be able to pull that stamp duty out and put that into the calculator, if you like, for those investors um, certainly is an important factor for them making that decision. Yes, and one of the major city centre redevelopments to start construction soon is the iconic Central Market. So tell us a little bit about what's going on with this and perhaps how many of the apartments have sold. 
The development itself is really exciting for the city and it's going, as you say, um, over the top of the Adelaide markets. So it's over 200 apartments at various levels of stock, if you like, right up to the, um, the penthouse and, and sub-penthouses. There's restaurants, activated spaces, and there's a real focus for the development to um, incorporate it into the city and even incorporate it into the markets. So fresh produce from the markets up to the restaurants and tenants within the building being able to access the markets and shops and, and the various amenities. So that project itself is, is really exciting, as I said. We sold out 80% of the available stock before the official launch. That's been a fantastic project to be a part of and one that's been really, really successful for us. Enjoy your morning coffee. It's your real estate weekend podcast in review. Yeah, so perhaps I'll just read this particular note that was put into Letterbox. (laughs) It says, Dear neighbour, I hope this finds you well. Well, it's not going to find them well if they are renting the property. That's a guarantee. They go on to say, we have just leased a one-bedroom, one-bathroom, one-car space apartment for $475 per week in your area. This property was leased after just eight hours of being listed and we received multiple exceptional applications. This gives us great confidence in the current market along with the increased demand. I mean, I can see how this would be upsetting for people on a serious note who are renting, Leo. Exactly. And, you know, obviously this letter is written for investor customers, not for, for, for the tenants to see, because it is trying to pitch that this agency will, will get them a much higher return. And, and that's the language that's being used. It's just was probably silly, frankly, to send it out to people who are not your investor customer group. Yeah, so what is kind of best practice here? I mean, what do you say in your position? Because you're, I guess, fronting a lot of people here, being the CEO from the Tenants Union there in New South Wales. So how do you address this issue where you've got a couple of rogue people operating in this in this manner? How do you deal with it from your point of view? Property managers have a a fiduciary obligation to their landlord to act in their best interests. And that means, you know, ultimately trying to achieve the the highest rent possible. That's That's the basic understanding that people take. What I think is missing is the concern for the community and the recognition that actually property investors are providing an essential service in the same way that energy, water, healthcare, food, all of these things are really important to make sure that the community has access to an affordable supply of these basic needs. And there's different ways that we regulate and make sure that that happens. We have missed out on that same conception in housing. And I think that's where the different way of approaching how properties are leased out, what's the the, the fundamental thinking, needs to just be expanded to include a concern for the broader community, for making sure that, that people actually have homes that they can live in. In the same way that no one's arguing, for instance, that doctors shouldn't be paid quite well for their extensive work that they do for people, but they have a idea that they're providing healthcare services sort of first, and then the compensation comes as a consequence of that. Rather than at the moment, we, we tend to have 
investment in itself as the end rather than housing people as the end and investment as a means. It's the Real Estate Podcast across Australia, seven days a week. And I've heard that agents are starting to say it's anywhere between 50 to 70% harder as an agent right now selling and working in real estate. What about you? Where do you put that? Oh, look, it definitely is getting tougher in terms of the listings and the sales and the sale results because we've come off such a a very strong market. So as an agent, you really are earning your money and your commissions during this period of time as it's slowing down. Because you're right now, you're in that untested water with the block 2022 auctions that are coming up because there are five of these homes with a price tag, a price guide of between four to just under $4.5 million each. And they're all going under the hammer on the same day. I mean, unprecedented. I mean, how difficult do you think that is going to be to achieve that sort of price point? Well, it's going to be um, something that has never happened in our area before. We only have a handful of results at that level in our southern end of the Maston Rangers Shire Council. So for five lovely properties to go on the market on the one day, I just don't know what to expect and we're all waiting to see what's going to happen and at what level they are sold because that is very high in terms of the other results that we've seen in the area on those 10 plus acre properties. So I've got to ask you this, Helen, do you think it's a little bit of wishful thinking? Look, I think from my point of view as a local agent, someone that has grown up in this area, the buyer for those block houses are not going to be the buyers that I deal with on a day-to-day basis as a local real estate agent. So with that in mind and people coming from outside the area, look, maybe it is possible, but it's not something that as a real estate agent, you're going to achieve on a regular basis. Those properties are very rare and, you know, I'm not sure if they will be able to achieve it, but if it is an outside buyer that is invested in the show, then maybe that's what they'll be able to achieve. It's your Real Estate Weekend Podcast in Review. The main one that I think is the most underused deposit strategy is guarantors. It used to be more popular back when I was younger to to date my age, but it got a bit of a bad rap back in the 80s. I think there were just some unscrupulous practices, but that isn't the case anymore. It's really well regulated and parents are really well protected. Again, look, I'll, I'll give you a good example. Actually, a property that just settled yesterday, a home for some clients of mine, Peter and Lucy. Literally six weeks ago, we had our first phone call when they were trying to suss out where they stood. And it was really obvious after we went through that, again, that process of the deposit checklist, that they had plenty of income. Income wasn't their problem, but they had quite a small deposit and they were never going to be able to purchase what they wanted. They were probably looking at least 12 to 18 months of savings. And what popped out in their case was that they had a set of parents who were just perfect to be guarantors. So we all had a chat about it, explained how it worked. Everyone was on board with it. And they were literally buying a property about a week later and and it's just settled. The difference of, again, being able to purchase now and not pay rent for another 12 to 18 months, you know, the parents are delighted because they've given their kids a leg up. They're in the property earlier. It's just such a big win-win all around. Yeah, that is so true. And there are advantages of knowing the right deposit method before a buyer applies for a mortgage. So perhaps let's just step through some of those. 
Yeah. Well, again, it all relates back to picking the one that's going to allow you to put in the minimum amount of cash needed with the minimum costs, and that's going to allow you to buy the quickest. One mistake that is really commonly made is the idea that you have to put in all of your savings. There can be a lot of advantages in being able to hold money back. A really good example of this would be some other clients of mine, Ben and Andrea. They had a huge deposit. Like they were just amazing savers. Like I was in awe of them. They'd saved up hundreds of thousands already as a young couple to go towards their property. They could have put in like a 35% deposit to what they wanted to buy. And when they contacted me, that was their plan. Like just in their head, they're like, well, don't we just have to put all of our money in? When we talked about it more about their future plans, they were having planning to have a baby in the next year or two. The property they were buying, they were probably going to need to upsize it in about five years. So what they were buying now was probably going to become an investment property and they'd actually be buying a bigger family home about five years from now. So in their case, again, what popped out of that deposit process checklist we use, we used a lender that allowed first-time buyers to put in a 15% deposit, pay no mortgage insurance, and they were able to hold on to the rest of that cash, which is now one going to be money there while Andrea goes off on maternity leave. They can now afford for her, instead of having to go back to work after six or eight months, she can take a couple of years off if she wants to. They've got heaps of cash in the bank. And then when it's time to upsize, they've got this huge cash deposit sitting there to go towards the new purchase, leaving a larger investment loan behind. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast.